0: To lit in love I'm Mariah and I'm Haley
1: and this is a podcast about books and the love that exists within books
0: yeah yeah, not much love in this book, but it's gonna be fun
1: <laughs> I'm excited I'm excited this is one that I haven't read so Haley is bringing us all the details
0: Yes so hello today we will be discussing my year of rest and relaxation by Otessa. Mosh bag. Um nice, nice. So there are some content warnings. Sorry if you hear my crinkly paper. That might be as- ASMR. For
1: some <laughs> but um,
0: content warning right off the bat, uh, there are substance use disorders like multiple characters have those uh, eating disorders and talk of suicide. So for those topics, we will include resources in the description for this episode because those are really common issues that people have and it's totally understandable if you want to skip this episode because it can get pretty heavy and that's totally okay protect yourself
1: okay sounds good sounds good
0: so um i just want to talk a little about the author i always like doing that i think i did said the exact same thing last episode but um (laughs) so this is otessa's second book her first book Eileen was like nominated for awards and stuff like critically acclaimed and it was just made into a movie with Anne Hathaway and um uh, what's that girl's name I wrote it down somewhere something Mackenzie Thomas oh Thomas and Mackenzie I'm not even looking at my own notes I was Thomason like I'm
1: just, <laughs> I'm just reading your notes I did not know that
0: <laughs> I have my notebook in front of me and then I have the Google Docs in front of me. Um, but Thomas and Mackenzie, who I know from Jojo Rabbit, but she's also been in things like Last Night in Soho and like recent movies like that. So that premiered at Sunset in January of this year. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, So now I want to read Eileen now that I've read this.
1: There we go. And this book, the only thing that I know about it is the cover has a girl on it with a dress. That's the only
0: thing. Yeah. I was so curious about the cover because it's this like... It's actually from uh, the late 1700s. I had to look it up.
1: Yeah, it was like, is a period piece.
0: Yeah, her expression is so modern, but then her clothing is very period appropriate. She looks like totally done with the world. <laughs> and I was like, this fits the character so perfectly. But it's called Portrait of a Young Woman in White, which is very okay. descriptive um, by Jacques Louis David. You say that?
1: Beautiful, beautiful pronunciation.
0: Thanks. Um. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna jump into the characters. There's not many. This is a very okay. lonely girl. um okay. But our main character, who is not named, as in uh, Rebecca.
1: Ooh. Okay.
0: She is white, blonde, thin, tall, pretty, rich, privileged, depressed, jaded, cold, and lonely. Her best and only friend is named Riva. And the voice actor um, who did the audiobook for this, at least the one I read, Julia Whelan, mm-hmm. she's very talented. She did a different voice for Riva and she sounds like this. Wait. Riva talks like this.
1: Is that the same person who did Addie LaRue?
0: I think it might be because it sounded familiar. All right. And you're also reacting, so that just makes me think.
1: I feel like it is.
0: I'm looking it up. <laughs> Yes, it is her.
1: Husband. Nice. Nice. She's this picking lady. good books.
0: Yeah, she's just living in my head. <laughs> you know, between my ears. But So she does this kind of voice for Reba. Okay. If that gives you a kind of idea. <laughs> um, she's a executive assistant. She's a mistress. She's an avid Cosmo reader and Sex and the City watcher. She has a raging eating disorder that's very difficult to hear about through such a like i'll get more into it but the main character has like no emotion okay and she loves giving advice and not taking it okay uh dr tuttle i decided would be played by um the lady that plays kind of a crazy lady in everything carol kane, carol kane. she is the mom in confessions of a teenage drama queen
1: i think. haven't seen that movie that's on my list
0: Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She has like the wild like blonde curly hair and she's always like frantic and Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she's very enumerable. She's
1: the she's <laughs> Uh in the show Gotham, she is the penguin's mom. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so sure. her last name is Cobblepot.
0: That makes sense.
1: It's got I the vibes. I love it.
0: Um so Carol Kane, I love Carol Kane. I have nothing but respect for her, but she would play an amazing mm-hmm. Dr. Tuttle, who is this kind of scatterbrained weirdo. She provides the pills okay. to the main character. She uses phrases like phrases like tectonic when discussing the All brain. Right. Like she talks about a tectonic shift and it's like she's just making it up <laughs> as she goes. Um and she's also a cat lover, so there's Silver Lining. Positive. Yeah. So the main character's mother is a beauty queen, a recluse, an alcoholic, depressed, also cold. There are moments where she almost loves the protagonists in her childhood, but she's just too broken to really love anyone. Oof. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a lot. Her father is dispassionate, snobby, accomplished, smart, also cold, uh, incapable of really understanding her or her right. mother.
1: Everybody is um, cold. Yeah.
0: He's, and he's like deeply sexist. Great. It's interesting that the main character doesn't like necessarily hold hatred for him or disgust for him in the same way that she mm. does for her mother, um, especially considering that. But I would like that detail because it's like so many of us as just the human race will idolize our fathers for doing nothing and demonize our mothers.
1: Internalized patriarchy. Is that a thing?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right.
1: We, like, just add internalized to anything.
0: Or, at, you know, at least internalize misogyny. Yeah. That definitely works. Because um, the mother always has bears the brunt of the mm-hmm. emotional work. Yeah. So. Um, Trevor is uh, the main love interest, I guess. He's a terrifying <laughs> man who is 33 when she is 18 when they Ooh. first meet.
1: Mm, hate um, it.
0: She describes him as 6'3", clean, fit, confident, terrible at kissing, head, and sex in general. (laughs) So that's Trevor. All right. And then there's Ping Shi, who is... Honestly, I'm just throwing this in there because it's the only defining characteristic besides the fact that he's a pretentious artist. He's gay.
1: He's (laughs) gay.
0: He's Asian. (laughs) He's a pretentious artist. He's 23 when she first meets him. Um, he's kind of perverted. Not much is really known about him, but he went to school with gay Prussian twins. So we know that.
1: Interesting detail. Interesting detail. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, okay. So I'll get into plot now. Okay. So this book is set in 2000 to 2001 New York City. I'm going to go through the main protagonist's life chronologically, even though that's not how things are revealed to us. This book very much feels like you're going in and out of sleep, like with this person. Um, Okay. But first, I'll start how the book begins. I just want to start with a quote because, like I was telling you as I was reading this again, like I just really like the way that this is written. It feels very conversational. Mm -hmm. And there's also parts that are just like very poetic and like beautifully descriptive. And then very dark. Most of it is very dark. The horrors. But we should remember that this is kind of a satire as well okay okay so first we jump straight into this quote whenever i woke up night or day i'd shuffle through the bright marble foyer of my building and go up the block and around the corner where there was a bodega that never closed i'd get two large coffees with cream and six sugars each chug the first one in the elevator on the way back to my apartment then sipped the second one slowly while I watched movies and ate animal crackers and took trazodone and Ambien and Nembutal until I fell asleep again. I lost track of time in this way. Days passed. Weeks. A few months went by. End quote. So, that's what we jumped straight into. All right. Pills and sleeping and watching movies. And that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah. So starting with her childhood, she has, as I mentioned, cold and distant parents. Her mom is kind of just a professional wife. She's Mm -hmm. a stay-at-home beauty queen. Um, she doesn't want to work. Like, that's, she's kind of above that. Mm -hmm. She looks down on people that aren't cultured. Like, they don't live in the city, and she hates that. But it's like, she wouldn't be leaving the house anyway, basically. yeah, She's a recluse. Mm -hmm. Um. And then her dad is just emotionally distant, basically an android. He's a scientist and a professor (laughs) and like everything that he tells her is like very matter of fact and like all emotion is removed. And it's not like when he's talking to her, it's like exchanging information. He's not sharing things with her because he cares about her, you know,
1: just like spouting out facts. It's like, all right, dad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll get to a specific case of that in a minute, but it's. Pretty entertaining to read because it's like, this is not how people talk, dude. There's something wrong with you. Um, But she goes to an all-girls school. Um, She has a privileged upbringing for sure, like Mm -hmm. super privileged, but she does not have many friends. And in her unreliable narrator sense, it's just because girls were jealous of her. And it's totally not her personality (laughs) or the way she talks to people or looks down on people. It's totally not that.
1: Nothing about her.
0: No. They just hate me because I'm so pretty.
1: (laughs) What is it, the Parks and Rec? It's like I've done nothing wrong. I know this, and I love you. (laughs) I
0: know this, and I love you exactly. That would be Dr. Tuttle.
1: It would be her to herself too.
0: (laughs) Oh, sure, sure. Well, she does eventually reach the point of self-loathing. That's what you know causes the the sleeping. So, got it. You know, that's you could see that as reflection if you want to. Um. In 1991, before she goes off to Columbia, she gets a weird sex talk. So this is where her dad really shows who he is, I think. Okay. He starts explaining what oxytocin does to the brain and how it's like a really powerful substance and it can be dangerous, like when you're flooded with it, basically. And he's basically trying to say like, you're going to a co-ed school now. You need to be prepared for sex. But he's like going around it, yeah. like very awkwardly. <laughs> and then as she's listening to this and he hands her like birth control pills, then her mom is just all of a sudden like, your dad has cancer. And oh, he, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to get over it, though. So don't even worry about it. Um, And that's oh it. Oh, my gosh. And her mom is like, her mom is so morbid and weird. And she's just like, the husband always dies first. And then she's like, I'm just kidding. It's just.
1: Oh, yeah, that's creepy. I don't like it. I don't like it. And that's right before she leaves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
1: (laughs) you're going to take all this baggage with you to school.
0: Oh my gosh. And I had friends and we, I think we all have friends who like terrible stuff happens them like first year of college or like right before Mm -hmm. they went to college. And that's such a delicate time. It's like, yeah, put put them in bubble wrap. Don't let anyone talk to 18 year olds.
1: (laughs) It's hard enough already. Like, the first year of college is already hard enough without all this weird stuff.
0: So hard. Yeah, so it's like, of course she's messed up. All this stuff happened before she went to college. It makes sense. Yeah. So she meets Trevor, aforementioned terrifying Trevor, uh, Halloween of her freshman year. Uh, She's dressed as a detective character played by Whoopi Goldberg, who she is obsessed with. And nice. he is dressed as Andy Warhol.
1: Andy Warhol, like, has white hair and glasses, yes. right? Like, that's yes. what he so looks he's like? He's dressed as Andy okay, Warhol
0: cool. with, like, a wig and glasses and, like, a super tight striped shirt. Because he's, like, just kind of.
1: Sexy Andy Warhol.
0: Yeah, sexy Andy <laughs> Warhol, but, like, he couldn't name, like, five paintings, that kind of vibe. Got it, got it,
1: cool. Um, a poser, Trevor.
0: Yeah, she once said something like, uh, He probably masturbated to Britney Spears or maybe Janis Joplin. I never really understood his, like, duality, basically. So (laughs) it's like he does have a personality and he does have interests outside of, like, what is prescribed to him. But he, like, Mm -hmm. doesn't show that so much because he has, like, a very traditional, normal life. Like, he's very successful and driven and he wants everything to be, like, square. Got it. Anyway, so related to that, this quote about him is, my first impression of him was that he was free-spirited, clever, funny. That proved to be completely inaccurate. (laughs) He's not free-spirited at all. He could not be more conventional and repressed, but yeah. Um, So they go on to have a toxic situationship for years, and that extends into the present time of the book, 2000 to 2001.
1: Okay, and then real quick question so the way that she wrote that that proved to be completely inaccurate so is all the book kind of her like looking back and describing events that have already happened okay cool
0: yeah so
1: so it's like a journal like a diary
0: kind of yeah yeah it's all past tense and then there's moments where you're like oh she's remembering this like in 2000 she's looking back like there's one scene where she's trying to fall asleep and she's remembering her parents funerals
1: okay
0: and that um uh, spoiler they both die but um <laughs> that's like two bullet points away got it but um, <laughs> but that's definitely like a memory from that she's recalling in 2000 but the whole book kind of feels like she's reflecting on it later mm-hmm. um like once she's come out of this like coma, essentially. Okay. But, yeah. But the book starts straight in it, and then a bunch of reflections. Okay. So, she meets Riva, her best and only friend, in her junior year. Her parents both die that year. Um, ah, her Yeah. Her father so passes from cancer, and her mother passes um, by completing suicide six weeks later. Hmm. So, I can talk a little about this. So... It's interesting because it's like very cold <laughs> that's the word to describe their family. Yeah,
1: cuz they're just all emotionally detached.
0: Yeah. So like her dad dies in their home. Like he has like a home nurse. Um the cancer has spread everywhere. Um and he's able to speak like he's cognitively there, but um he's not really saying much. Like he doesn't really have much to say. And <sighs> Yeah, and, um, like, her mom is just, like, getting drunk in the kitchen and waiting for him to die, basically. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is uh, sad in different ways than Addie LaRue. Like, I was sad for a lot of yeah. that book. But this does, yeah, this also sounds very sad.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to depress you more, but I can read this <laughs> short quote about her dad that I think, like, shows... It both shows his humanity, like she's seeing him as a person, but it also shows his, like the wall between them. Yeah. So, with a uh, quote, without his glasses on, I barely recognized him. Thinning brown hair, loosening jowls, a single wrinkle of worry. Did I say single wrinkle? <laughs>
1: single <laughs> <Sorry>. wrinkle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a single wrinkle of worry etched deep into his brow. That wrinkle made him look perpetually perplexed, yet passive, like a man trapped behind his own eyes.
1: Ooh. That's good.
0: Yeah, and then she goes on right after that to talk about how he like doesn't understand his wife and daughter, like his only family. Yeah. Um, so he actually has a big funeral because he's like a big successful guy. Um, okay. An academic. Her mom does not take it well, and at her mother's funeral, it's like a completely different vibe. It's a very small funeral. She only had a few people like in her little address book. Oh,
1: that's sad.
0: Uh, and then a note about seeing her mother pass, um, she sees her real hair color for the first time because her mom gets it dyed, like, so religiously. And she mm-hmm. has honey blonde hair just like her. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like these small moments of humanity that she sees in them, um, despite yeah. not not really having that connection.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like, brief brief little glimpses yeah. into what could be.
0: Yeah. And... Yep,
1: that's super sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... After her parents die, uh, she moves out of her sorority house because her sorority sisters are like avoiding her and being weird and it's just not good. So she moves okay. in with Riva and then this is basically where she decides or I don't know if she decides this, but this is basically where she and Riva are each other's only friends. So
1: Okay.
0: And then she graduates in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Oh my
1: gosh, the year that I was born, everyone. Yeah. A tidbit of personal information for you all.
0: For all your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> so then she moves into an Upper East Side apartment, just, you know, a shabby little dump. Um, no, of course. In
1: 1996.
0: It has a fancy elevator with gold buttons, it has a doorman, and it has a garbage chute that makes her feel like she's a part of something greater. She literally talks about the garbage chute like she's contributing <laughs> to society. Oh my gosh,
1: oh my gosh. To bring it back to Tick, Tick, Boom, it's that same song. Hello to Mr. Doorman. I love that song so much. It's so fun. Cute. <laughs> she, she would sing that as she goes into her apartment and
0: totally. talks
1: about her garbage chute.
0: Um so <laughs> she gets an art gallery job. She's basically trying to find purpose, trying to fill her life with something. She doesn't like super need it. She's not desperate for money, but she needs a purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Something to do. Yeah.
0: Um she's hired basically because she's pretty and she could be mean and evade questions. Like the, the art dealer, okay. like the <laughs> the art gallery owner is like, I like you. You're cold. You're perfect. Um <laughs> Ping Shi is the star artist there. Um, he has a show that is called Bow Wow Wow and <laughs> have you looked at the notes? What would you guess an art show called Bow Wow Wow contains?
1: I am looking. I am Don't looking look. at the notes. But if I was <laughs> if I had not read it, Bow Wow Wow, I would be like dogs, maybe like c- celebrities dogs.
0: Okay, yeah okay something <laughs> terrible and campy well
1: yeah like wow sure
0: wow 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 yeah
1: but yeah
0: instead of that it is taxidermied purebred dogs with laser eyes so that was a choice God.
1: hate it i hate it i wonder that's, if that's based on something real it feels so it feels
0: like it is but you know yeah. i remember um Other things that were described as being in the art gallery, like not a part of Ping's show, where one artist did a bunch of saran-wrapped pieces, and it was just, like, random different items that were saran-wrapped. And it was like, okay, like, I could see there being a concept there, but, like, taking actual dogs, stuffing them, and wiring them so that they can shoot lasers out of their eyes. That's that's a whole other
1: level. And now I'm imagining... Now I'm imagining like a bunch of rich people being like, "Take my dog for the art installation." Ugh, yeah, like yeah.
0: There's like, <laughs> like a mm, there's an intern
1: turtles all the way down.
0: Absolutely, and it reminds <laughs> me. Did you see a Velvet Buzzsaw?
1: No, that's on my oh, list. Okay. That's the one with the Gyllenhaal yes. on it, right? Like they paint. He paints in blood. It's gross. Yeah,
0: and then I, is it Tony Collette? I think she might be in it, and she gets her arm sucked into the art piece thing. There's a. It's everyone Oof. dies basically, but um. Got it. It's it reminds me of that because it's just the most pretentious okay. like caricatures of the art people. Yeah,
1: it's like what is that genre called? Like pretentious gothic?
0: <laughs> pretentious gothic um, shock <laughs> art. Like yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Being an asshole is what normal people would call it.
1: <laughs> Being an asshole yeah. trademarked.
0: <laughs> but there's an intern at the gallery that uh, the main character over here is, like, sharing a rumor that he would raise the dogs himself and then kill them. Oh. And there there are, like, a couple puppies, I guess. So it's just, mm-hmm. like, very weird and sad and creepy. Um, oh, it, oh it, I hate I hate it. I think it's worth noting, since we're already talking about this so much i mean it's not like that important but i it just really stands out when you read something (laughs) like that um is that she always wanted a pet and her parents never let her have a pet and so there's this weird like sadness in her when she sees the dogs not really described as sadness because she doesn't know what feelings are what that is yeah yeah but
1: remnants of what that would be man let your child have a pet even if it's just a hamster
0: I, yeah, she like asks for a fish and her mom's like, why? So you can watch it swim around and die.
1: Oh, mm. OK. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yeah. So she takes naps in the supply closet in the art gallery on her lunch breaks. Um, she's right. just terrible at the job in general. She doesn't really like care, um, okay. which is part of why she was hired, but it kind of works against her. Yeah, but she meets Doctor Tuttle Carol Kane in January two thousand. She's mm-hmm. a wacky woman who's got a loose bag of pills. Um, oh, she's like
1: not her psychiatrist. She's not like not her doctor. She's just no, a random doctor. Oh, okay. Wait a
0: minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now she she is a doctor, but she has like really unconventional practices, and she gives out prescriptions very freely. And uh, okay. she basically got has it. her lie. She has her lie to, like, keep her prescription going. She's like, if anyone asks, just say you come see me every week. And, like, she totally doesn't.
1: Ah, so, okay. She's got it.
0: happy to give out the pills. but
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: Um, yeah. So, main character gets fired from her art gallery jobs. Not surprising. Okay. okay. As she's leaving, she steals a bottle of champagne. And then she locks up. And she's like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Then the laser eyes are on, on the dogs, because that is still the installation. She looks at the poodle, and she's like, I hate this stupid poodle. She's just staring at it. She unlocks it, goes back in, pulls down her pants, and poops on the floor. (laughs) Okay. And then she takes the tissue that she had used and puts it in the mouth of the taxidermy poodle, and she's like, that's perfect. And then she leaves. So, mm. you can't say she's uh, not an artist. <laughs> she is an artist in her own right. Oh, my gosh. She really added something.
1: I don't really understand how people could just, like, poop on the floor. Like, the squatting situation. <laughs> I don't understand. Just the logistics. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds so difficult. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Not
0: even from the moral, moral standpoint <laughs> or hygiene. Uh,
1: just So gross.
0: It seems hard. So gross. Yeah.
1: And also, hmm, this yeah. is a little bit this is even gross. It's like how do you know that it's gonna be like I guess people that don't have like weird stomach issues or like a normal poop is gonna happen.
0: <laughs> right.
1: How do you That's such a good how point. do you know?
0: <laughs> such a good point. Oh um.
1: crazy. Crazy. <laughs>
0: So she starts collecting unemployment, okay. she ha- which is so shocking that she's allowed to do that. Yeah. I think because of the weird dysfunctional art world, she kind of just gets away with it. Yeah. Um, she has money from her father's death. Um, she's not motivated or worried about finding work. She's got money to live off of, and okay. she just budgets. Okay. Um, so she starts her sleep journey in the summer of 2000. It's going to be, you might say... A year of rest and relaxation.
1: Ah, ha, ha, um, bada bing, bada boom.
0: She has weird behaviors like sexting over AOL Instant Messenger, which if you were born after the year 2000, means um, a chat room where you go online and talk to strangers. It's like Omegle, kind of. And you had
1: a little going away message like Instagram is trying to bring back.
0: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, she orders like cheap victoria's secret underwear she orders uh chinese food that she doesn't eat it's just online shopping all the time she'll black out yeah like
1: a manic shopping yeah spree.
0: like a ambient okay. yeah ambient induced spree um she'll black out Kay. for days and wake up later with no memory of doing things um mm, which is like okay. kind of horrifying at times because some weird things yeah. happen yeah. So yeah. she she has weird dreams as well, um, which happens when you're on a bunch of pills and you're trying to sleep. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, she exaggerates them to get more pills. Um, like she'll change details. Like I saw a dolphin in the ocean in this dream. But when I told Dr. Tuttle, I was like, it was a shark and it was also a Moby Dick. And it also was a dick. And Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, she weirdly doesn't really talk about her parents or the dreams that she has about her parents even though that's like the source of everything so it's like Mm -hmm. as the reader you're seeing like oh obviously you're traumatized by your parents and their deaths yeah and you're just like oh well i had a dream about moby dick that was an inflatable penis like literally yeah Um, yeah so that's just dramatic irony i guess um Mm -hmm. so reva will come over and talk and drink for hours um riva also has an alcohol problem um she will complain about ken ken is riva's uh i I almost said master there's not an equivalent to mistress that's messed up um anyway she's been sleeping (laughs) with this generic husband and father from her work um she's an executive assistant with a economics degree um okay basically (laughs) <laughs> the relationship between the protagonist and Riva is like, I'll keep you around for you to remind me of why I'm sleeping through life. Why I don't want oh. to be in the world. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, your life sounds miserable. The world sounds miserable. I hate everyone and everything. And mm-hmm. at one point she says like, I love Reva, but I don't like her. So...
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. Got it. So she's kind of, like, accepted Reva as, like, a part of her family, technically? Because she has nobody else.
0: She has nobody, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Reva will do things like take out her trash and, like, tell her that she needs to wake up and face the music and, like, face <laughs> the problems in her life. Um, okay. But she keeps coming over and she keeps, like, checking in on her. Yeah. Kind of nice.
1: She's not... She's like she's just keeping the lights on kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and Riva's mom is very sick, um, mm-hmm. has cancer, um, oh. and is like basically dying as soon as like we know who she is, we know that she's dying. So that's yeah. just kind of an established thing is that her mom is Okay. Dying. And so when Reva's mom dies a few months, I think it's a few months into the sleep, obviously protagonist doesn't want to be there for Riva, but blackout protagonist has made the decision for her and she wakes up on a train to farmingdale in a white fur coat so she's all right. like all right i'm going to this funeral yeah um, and this is like basically coming up for air like the book feels mm-hmm. like you're kind of swimming through sleep and memories and then she kind of comes up for air in the present and is doing something other than watching a Whoopi goldberg movie mm-hmm. so this is new year's eve 2000 um They're hanging out at Riva's house. She meets some of Riva's family members. And the main point, I think, of this passage is that Riva is using all of these cliches to talk about how her mom has passed and, like, (sighs) messing up in her little speech that she gives at the funeral and then is, like, super... um, self-conscious about it and like asking Mm -hmm. for reassurance and like is jealous of how protagonist looks and like even though her mom just died she's still like making herself steamed vegetables so that she doesn't eat any of the pasta that people are bringing over and like Mm -hmm. just like she's restricting herself so much she's doubting herself and hating herself so much and then Mm -hmm. the protagonist isn't really the protagonist kind of just reports on that and like kind of pities her but kind of just is annoyed by her
1: yeah, like she's not helping. She's not saying anything not to Riva.
0: Not at all. No, and just her being there helps Riva because Riva is so love starved that like she'll take it basically, and she needs she'll take anything. She the support. Yeah, yeah. But knowing that this is a satire, we can see like Riva needs her so much. Like this is such a important time in her life. Mm-hmm for friends to like really show up and show that they love her. And I'm it's just okay, what do I want to say? So this is a satire, and I think that the point of this passage is that instead of focusing on Riva and trying to cheer her up and trying to like truly be there for her, she's like making her drive her to McDonald's so that she can get a McDonald's coffee because she doesn't want coffee at Riva's house. And she is having trouble falling asleep because she's thinking about her parents' funerals. Mm -hmm. But then when Reva is talking to her about her own mom's death, instead of, like, being like, yeah, I've been there and I understand and, like, let's be here for each other. It's none of that. It's just I want to shut down. I want to go to sleep and I want to numb out. I don't want to feel anything. Yeah. And so that when you're afraid like that and when you're suffering like that, other people around you suffer because you can't really be there for them. There for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like the irony is that you're being so goddamn selfish (laughs) and your friend needs you. Um, But you think like, she's so annoying and you're like so inconvenienced by having to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Also, I, the first time I read this, I was like, Riva is annoying. And the second time I read this, I was like, I actually think I could be friends with Riva. (laughs) because i get her like i get why she's needy i get why she's whiny um and like say what you want but she is loyal she's loyal to her terrible friend
1: yeah and like like the one thing that you said like she'll come and she'll like take out the trash or whatever yeah like she's not coming and just like using the protagonist's money for something like and not giving anything in return like they are each other's only friends she
0: is not as privileged but she does not take advantage of her like she wants to go over to her apartment because mm-hmm. it's nicer and it's in the upper east side and it's like yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah she's not
1: but also the protagonist is asleep there all the time yeah.
0: so So a quick quote about Riva before I move on Um, she was an only child a gym rat had a blotchy red birthmark on her neck the shape of Florida a gum chewing habit that gave her t- TMJ and breath that reeked of cinnamon and green apple candy so kind of like a nice frantic energy about her um yeah. So skipping ahead a little, uh, Ken breaks up with Riva and transfers her to the World Trade Center. So this kind of shakes Riva, and she wants to try pills. So they do that mm-hmm. together for the first time. When she comes to, Riva has stolen all of her meds. Uh, she's okay. obviously super pissed because this ruins all her plans. -hmm. Um, she calls and leaves her messages, but there's no answer. And Mm -hmm. like she knows that Riva did this because she's like trying to take care of her and she knows what's best for her and blah blah blah. It's like, yeah, she does and she (laughs) should. But through the protagonist's eyes, it's like, I gotta get these pills back because I gotta complete my year. So she uses her key to go into Riva's apartment, um, like when Riva's not there and she finds the pills. Um, and then a little bit later she and Riva make up, um, and Basically, protagonist decides to give her a bunch of her designer clothes and send her away and, like, end the friendship. And it's like, I'm going away for a while, but she's not. Mm-hmm. What she actually does is she gets rid of, like, all her furniture and, like, okay. everything that is not the bare essentials in her apartment. She contacts Ping Shi and she gives him permission to film her for four months as she's in, like, deep hibernation. Okay. And the reason she does that is, like, I just want someone to check on me and make sure I stay alive, essentially. Like, order me a pizza, provide me with ginger ale, and, like, leave no trace except for the pizza and ginger ale.
1: Okay. And then, so, when you're saying that she wants to, like, complete her year, so she Mm -hmm. basically, she's been, like, planning this? Like, she's gonna sleep? That's the whole rest and relaxation? She's just gonna sleep as much as possible?
0: Yes. So when we start the book with the, whenever I woke up night or day, I'd shuffle through the bright, blah, blah, blah. That is Mm -hmm. in the midst of it. So we are sleeping from summer of 2000 to summer of 2001. Okay. So she contacts Ping Shi early 2001. And she's like, I want these last four months of this year of rest and relaxation to Mm -hmm. be perfect. Like, I want to be actually asleep. I'm tired of the bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Okay. So she does it and he agrees to it because he's a weirdo um he's like i'm gonna use this other kind of camera because it's gritty and it'll look like shit yeah and he's (laughs) like i don't care
1: (laughs) okay so you do whatever you weird little artist
0: yeah so he does it and he holds up his end of the bargain and doesn't leave a trace doesn't do anything weird other than be himself um and yeah, she comes out of it saying that she feels healed. She feels like a different person, like she's waited her way through it. She sells her parents home because there had been like a renter that moved out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls Riva to tell her and Riva can't talk because she's at the gym. And that's the last time they speak. So the big spoiler of the book, um, exit now if you don't want to hear it. But the big spoiler of the book is that Riva dies in the twin towers falling on 9/11. Mm-hmm. Okay, cuz the World Trade Aww, Center man. is where she got transferred to. Yep, so that is where she was. Fucking Ken. Yeah, fucking Ken. So, um the irony is that like arguably the worst character in the book, Trevor, who I didn't mm-hmm. mention trigger warning but he likes to his favorite way to engage in sexual activity with the protagonist is when she pretends to be asleep and he is putting his genitals in her mouth like that is his favorite thing so he's like a yeah. complete nasty asshat yeah I can't, yeah he's he's got weird things about power and control he likes when she's like weak at one point like during her year of resting relaxation she'll she calls him and, like, asks him to bring her a VCR because hers breaks and, like, they have sex when she's, like, blacked out. So that was the trigger warning, Um, if you okay. skip ahead. Um, Anyway, he works in the World Trade Center. And he lives? But does he die? Ugh. No. Of course. <laughs> that is, like, yeah. This is a dark comedy. It's a satire. It's, like, of course he doesn't die. Why would Trevor die? The, yep. The person that we hate.
1: Indestructible <laughs> tech, bro. I know he's not a yeah. bro, but that's what I'm thinking of as him. <laughs> he's
0: 6'3", he's clean, he's fit, he's confident, and he survived 9-11. He was in Barbados on his honeymoon. So of course. So that's how he got out of it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So the book ends with this. So I actually, I guess I read the beginning and now I'm going to read the end of the book. All right. End cap. Quote, there she is, a human being diving into the unknown and she is wide awake. Hmm. So that is about, um, and this is really dark, but there are people who jumps from the Twin Towers Mm -hmm. um, and she watches this tape over and over again and there's this woman that looks a lot like Riva, and she's like pretty sure it is Riva, mm-hmm. and she like thinks she's so beautiful as she's falling and she's like mm. so I think that that quote is like very poignant because it's like there she is a human being diving into the unknown she is wide awake like she mm-hmm. is human she's awake she's making a conscious decision
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't want to promote a sewer slide um because i am nervous about saying the wrong thing yeah. so i'll just say i can understand why the protagonist feels that way mm-hmm. um, and you can't sleep through your life yeah nope you got to grab it by the balls
1: because even if you continue, even if you sleep it's going to be there when you wake up like yeah, you can only avoid it for how many hours you're asleep, and then it's the same.
0: And I think we have this tendency to romanticize death and tragic events. I know many yeah. people that are obsessed with nine eleven. Um, yeah,
1: well, I think it's like another way of like coping with things, unhealthy as it is. It's like I'm gonna make it a beautiful thing because I can't take how terrible it was.
0: Yeah, like when I went through my Marilyn Monroe Mm -hmm. phase and I was like, she was so misunderstood and tortured and like, yes, but like, she's not the only person that's ever suffered. Like, we only think of her as much as we do because she was so beautiful, you know? So things kind of get, like, glamorized depending on how they look and how exciting they're deemed to be and how many conspiracy theories there are surrounding yes. them. And, yes, 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 um, So, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Man, that's sad. That's sad that, like, to, go to the last quote, like, she is wide awake. She's seeing this person that's, like, trying to live, making last-ditch effort. She's like, yeah, that's being alive. <laughs>
0: like. Yes. But also, not trying to live, but, like, tra- trying to, like, take life in your own hands and be like, I'm not going to die in a yeah. fire or from smoke. I'm going to do it on my own terms. Yeah. Um, this made me look up, like, speaking of morbid curiosity, um, this made me look up pic- the-, the most famous picture of mm-hmm. a jumper, and it's, like, a very famous portrait, and it's, like, no one really knows who his family is because they can't identify him from the portrait, but it's, like, it feels insensitive and it feels mm-hmm. wrong. And I get that because that's someone who's about to die. Like, that's the most. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, my goodness. Vulnerable
0: you can yeah. be. Yeah. Oof. Um, this is a dark episode. It is. It is. <laughs> ah, bow, wow, wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, that is, that is a downer. And definitely, like I said, not what I thought it was going to be. I remember you were telling me, like, as you were reading, like, what was happening. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely not, I thought this was like a, um, kind of like an autobiography or like a selection of Mm -hmm. like essays, like a person had wrote about having a year where they're going to like really rest (laughs) from like like, burnout or something. So it's very interesting that it was fictional and that it was like this time period.
0: Yeah. I I agree. I definitely thought it was like going to be a first person perspective, true story, but no, it's like a totally made up story. And I'm just like, what medication are you on, Otessa? Because uh, this is uh, dark.
1: I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm taking a moment to collect my thoughts. Uh, Take it all in.
0: I have another quote about death.
1: There you go. Give it to me.
0: Any normal person would have worried about what the drugs would do to her health. I wasn't completely naive about the potential dangers. My father had been eaten alive by cancer. I'd seen my mother in the hospital full of tubes, brain dead. I'd lost a childhood friend to liver failure after she took acetaminophen on top of Dayquil in high school. Life was fragile and fleeting, and one had to be cautious, sure, but I would risk death if it meant I could sleep all day and become a whole new person.
1: All right. Okay, so, yeah, so she is, she's smart, like, she knows what's going on, but she's just not emotionally there. Yeah,
0: that, so here's another quote, that was exactly what I wanted, my emotions passing like headlights that shine softly through a window, sweep past me, illuminate something vaguely familiar, then fade and leave me in the dark again.
1: Well, she did succeed, I guess. So,
0: what do you think of, do you think she actually did succeed? (sighs) Because it's in the book, it's just kind of, like, unreliable narrator. Sure, she
1: I don't did. Well, Gus may- was like, sure, she did. But maybe she, because you were talking, we were talking about she, like, had blacked out. And so it's like, we don't really know what's going on. And that's probably what she's just thinking. Like, she did sleep for four months. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, kind of like placebo. Like, she's like, I'm going to do this thing. No one has really given me any information on... The fact that it will, like, that it's crazy. So it's like, I'm doing this thing and I'm going to be different at the end. No matter what. Like, she's just Mm -hmm. deciding that. Mm -hmm. So it might just be something that she needed to do. Which is crazy to say. But, yeah, you know. She doesn't have anybody to help her. So this is what she's going to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's like, she doesn't have anyone to help her. But she probably pretty easily could. Because people are so drawn to her because she is an attractive white girl like she is incredibly privileged yeah and like she's got a doctor (laughs) yeah she's got a doctor that is terrible that she found in the yellow pages and she kind of like wanted a terrible doctor and she said it was like fate because she was like Mm -hmm. perfect first lady i meet is ready to give me pills that's what i want like yeah yeah she doesn't want to do the work of, like, going through the trauma that her mother and father put on her. She doesn't want to, like, yeah. actually dig through all of that. She just wants to, like, sleep past it and get to the point where she's done all the healing already. But it's like, you can't do the healing without diving into all of that.
1: Yeah, you can't. You can't. Uh, what uh is it? What is the movie with Adam Sandler? You can't click your way through life. It doesn't work. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> this is essentially click.
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, I watched that movie and I was like, there are some things that I wouldn't use it like him. I would rip to Adam Sandler's character, but I'm different.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, I'll just skip these things like math tests. I don't want to take it. I already know that I'm not good at it. Let's just skip it.
0: Oh, and I'm sorry. You're going to skip through your wife talking to you. Um, (laughs) Red flag.
1: Oh, that was so terrible. He was like, I skipped through the fight. And it's like. That's bad. You, what did you even say? Does that mean that you say the same thing every time?
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. He never fucking learns because he never listens. He never listened in the uh, first place.
1: Man, yeah. That movie was wild. I haven't seen it in a really long time. It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It, like, this unexpectedly is, is like, ooh, you're yeah. going to be upset. Yeah.
0: So, this book, actually, the rights have been purchased by um, Lucky Chap Entertainment, which is owned by Margot Robbie. Ooh. Moshfag has said it isn't up to her, but that Robbie would be perfect for the main character.
1: Ooh, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. There's also a German stage adaptation, fun fact. Um, Okay. I wonder if they include the dogs. That's really what I want to
1: know. Ooh, I hope they're fake. But yeah. And like... I do understand at a certain point, cause like, yeah, when you're not having a good day, you just want to go to sleep because you want to start over again tomorrow. To tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. But she kind of just like took that to like the most extreme that you could possibly take it. Right. Like I want to wake. I want to wake up in a new year.
0: I yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I think I have a lot of feelings about it, but I can't articulate, which is great for a podcast. But um. <laughs>
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can get into the ships. Um, These are basically just a joke. um, Because (laughs) there's no life Because there
1: are no ships. Oh my goodness.
0: The main character and Trevor are the most dysfunctional combination I could possibly think of. Like an emotionally dead woman and emotionally repressed man.
1: And a gross dude. A gross dude. Does he, what is his, like, reaction to her doing all of this? Does he even know that it's happening?
0: She tells him, like, I'm super sick and I'm on a lot of meds, basically. And then he comes over because he likes when she's weak. So he it's actually kind of a turn mm. on for him. Um Gross. Yeah. Okay. And then he's like, that's the last time. And then supposedly that's the last time they ever see each other.
1: All right. Okay. So he doesn't even, yeah, he doesn't know what's going on
0: he doesn't really see her as a person yeah Yeah. Mm. which she doesn't really see herself as a person
1: yeah she's like i'm just floating in the wind yeah um so she beats him when she's 18 at college and he's 33
0: yeah it's at a party somewhere that like her and her sorority sisters go to or like she's rushing a party, oh, okay. and he's just like there Got it. still still so 33 it's like, Trevor,
1: what are you doing yeah like what are you doing there bud if,
0: even if it's a party like way off campus that's still why are you at that party yeah yeah um even at 23 why are you at that party exactly why are you at this party <laughs> so mm, the weird vibes <laughs> oh yeah so the main character and sleep i ship them for eight to ten hours a night <laughs> um, I think that, you know, it's easy to be like, I've never been depressed enough to where I've wanted to sleep for a year. But, um, and it's, yeah, it just, I, I wish, can see, I can see where
1: can she's, see. she's coming from.
0: <laughs> I do, I do get it. But I wish someone had cared enough about this fictional character to, um,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: encourage her out of it <laughs> that she actually respected. I don't know who that would be, but it wouldn't be Reba.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, maybe the <laughs> artist?
0: <sighs> yeah.
1: Be like, hey, I know that you said that I could do this, but I actually am now uh, growing, like, a moral compass, and I feel like it's wrong.
0: (laughs) Can I taxidermy you instead? I feel like that would be better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm. So, I don't ship her mom and dad, even though they are one of the few married married couples in the book. Um because they even though her mom like heavily relies on her dad and like chooses to take her life shortly after her dad passes, it's not because she like loved him so much. It was because like it just that was her whole
1: intense codependency. Yeah, that
0: was her whole purpose was being a wife. And that's now gone. Mm. Um so then there's the main character and Reva friendship or romantic or whatever. Um, I think their friendship could have worked, and I think that it did mm-hmm. like probably when they were younger, a little better before her parents yeah. died um but they're both very broken, so like yeah. sure, I should it, so think it's like but they should maybe
1: they both deserve someone else, yeah, like even though they were friends, they probably both deserve someone else,
0: yeah, who could I think so
1: help in a more profound way,
0: yeah, oh, actually, that reminds me of something that Trevor says, you know. But he says, like... uh, Okay, so first of all, he takes her virginity. Forgot to mention that. Um, Okay. But when he broke up with her for the first time, like, shortly after that, when she was, like, 18 Mm -hmm. or 19, he said, quote, Too young and immature, I can't be the one to help you grow out of your abandonment issues. So that reminded me of... (laughs) Maybe if we had been closer in age, it would have been fine. Ooh, it would
1: have been fine. Guess these people, these dudes. In their
0: 30s dating 18, 19 year olds. 18
1: year olds. (laughs) That does. That's exactly that.
0: (laughs) It icks me. Yeah. So. Yep. But related to that, she does need someone to help her grow out of it. But I think putting yeah. that emotional burden on any person that you're not hiring to do that uh, mm-hmm. is wrong. So I do think she needs, like, yeah. actual therapy, which I say in, like, every episode.
1: Yep. Just do it. Just do
0: it. You gotta get down. Um. So, Reva and Ken. I don't ship it because Reva just really needs male validation. And I think that's all there is yeah. to it.
1: Well, if... if they didn't break up, then he wouldn't have transferred her and she'd be alive.
0: That's a very good point.
1: (laughs) Even though, like, maybe we ship them for like, just a couple more months or a year, and then they can break up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it, it, it's definitely, like, done for the purpose of... Toxic, yeah. Leave. Yeah,
1: so she can leave.
0: Yeah, but I think the, the point of Riva's departure in that way... It's very poignant, and it's also, like, it paints Riva as, like, much... Uh, having much more autonomy than the main character ever gave her mm-hmm. credit for. Um, yeah. In a really, really sad way. Uh, the main character and Whoopi Goldberg.
1: Okay, so first... What I don't even know what movie it is in which Whoopi Goldberg is a detective.
0: Um, I know the name is Rizzoli.
1: Goldberg, detective.
0: Fatal Beauty. Because I
1: think I've only really seen... Fatal Beauty. Uh, I've only seen... <laughs> And Ghost?
0: Yeah. So she mentions <laughs> Ghost. She'll like watch any Whoopi movie, but she mentions Ghost and says like her part okay. is too small and it makes her feel longing that movie. And then
1: Alright. So she loves she Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and
0: it's there are definitely um lesbian vibes because she mentions like picturing Whoopi's uh genitals. So that's interesting. And I don't really know what it means. I All haven't right. like read anything on it and I haven't like, reflected Mm -hmm. on it enough, I guess. But it's
1: definitely weird. Okay, oh my gosh. Let's read the description. Detective Rita Rizzoli (laughs) is accustomed to donning costumes and going undercover to nail crooks. But she'll be required to use all her get-ups and more when a major cocaine ring is suspected of turning out a potent new strain of the drug called Fatal Beauty. Oh my gosh. With the help of her partner, Jimenez, and a former bodyguard for a local cartel, Sam Elliott... Rita will do whatever it takes to find out who's dealing Fatal Beauty and stop them. Yeah. Sam Elliott is a former bodyguard for a it's local amazing. cartel.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny to me. I can't imagine him moving quickly enough to defend anybody. He just, he gives to Yeah,
1: I'm going to need to look him up as a young person. Sam Elliott, 1987.
0: Was he even young in 1987?
1: No, no, he doesn't look young at all. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look him up in Fatal Beauty. Enjoy the uh, sounds of our keyboards. The quick
0: and the dead.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, that is a movie that I want to see. I think it's on my uh, Letterboxd watch list. Really?
0: Um,
1: oh, he he does look young a little bit. A
0: little bit. He looks... Um,
1: looks like Kurt Russell a little sure. bit with his hair. Yeah, I like the hair. Uh. Yeah, that's a lot. He's he's the bodyguard for the drug cartel. That just doesn't, it doesn't click for me. No, he's giving Civil
0: War General.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Or Tom Selleck with way more hair. And gray hair. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, this is the only ship that I guess that I uh, agree with. All right. Because Whoopi Goldberg would be good to anybody.
0: I think so. I don't know that much about her.
1: What is that that quote? She's like, I don't want a man in my house. (laughs) Because she's she's single. She didn't want to get married. (laughs) Yeah. She's great. So yeah, I can spend as much time with somebody as I want to spend. But I'm not looking to be with somebody forever or live with someone. I don't want somebody in my house.
0: (laughs) So, okay. Whoopi seemed like, this is a quote from the book, um, from the protagonist. So, Whoopi seemed like an absurd interloper on the USS Enterprise, referring to when she first saw her on Star Trek whenever she appeared on screen i sensed she was laughing at the whole production her presence made the show completely absurd that was true of all her movies too Whoopi in her nun's habit Whoopi dressed like a church-going georgian in the 1930s with her sunday hat and bible Whoopi and moonlight and valentino alongside the pasty elizabeth perkins wherever she went everything around her became a parody of itself gauche and ridiculous that was a comfort to see thank god for Whoopi. nothing was sacred <laughs>
1: That is good. So she's like, I need some I need some humor. I need some absurdity in my life that is all darkness. So that's good. Good job, Whoopi Goldberg.
0: <laughs> okay, so Otessa Otessa did the thing I'm reading from is actually an article by Otessa Moshbeg. And she actually met Whoopi after writing this book. Ah, love it. So they met for lunch at Whoopi's house, which is like very generous of her. Yeah. She asked why I'd put her in my novel. I was not shy in answering. I've always loved you, I said. Seeing Whoopi in the context of her own home did not have the same jarring effect as seeing her on screen. She was natural, at ease in a world that she had fashioned around herself just to her liking. She was not in a rush or clamoring to be heard over her daytime co-hosts. In our time together, Whoopi didn't once mention her work on The View. She was entirely at home. I'm so glad I have the day off, she said. All right.
1: That's awesome. I love that so much.
0: (laughs) So it is pure. I was like worried that it was like weird and racist, but I guess. Yeah,
1: gonna be weird. But yeah, no. She just loves Whoopi Goldberg.
0: Obsession and a weird detail. Um, And I I do do love that
1: when when authors like are like, okay, maybe this character is not me, but there's always going to be little pieces of me in them, and that's what I chose to put in this character.
0: And that's great. I would hope that it's not like the (laughs) manic depression or anything else going on in her head. Yeah. Just Whoopi.
1: Just (laughs) Whoopi. Simply. Whoopi. I
0: wonder. I wonder if Whoopi um, asked her about the general thing, like why did you talk about my dad? She had to. Have. I I would be so. She curious. Had to. Have. What is the fascination? <laughs> <laughs> so we can go into hypotheticals slash discussion. So first question: Where would we place the Stranger Things cast? Maybe after, maybe a few years after the trauma of the show, because this is like five years after she graduates. Graduates from college, so few years after got it got it got it
1: okay so while when you put that in there i immediately thought of this fan fiction that i read um and the way that like she is described in this story with like cold emotional parents and like using pills and like just sleeping all the time it's literally how steve was in this one fan fiction. Um, so I'm just going to put him in there. Like he's having a rough time. So that's like a tag on archive of our own. Steve has bad parents. So that's what I was imagining <laughs> like the sure. whole time it's by, if people, this is going to get really fanfictiony, but if people have read like, read like you're divine by onion chiver, it's another fan fiction by her.
0: <laughs> <Onion Chiver. laughs> it's
1: really good. It's two O's. It's like union chiver. Hey, okay,
0: there's your back, um, guys. Get on it.
1: And the the fake is called Blackout Days, Fairground Nights, and it's three chapters, and it's really intense, but it's really good.
0: So does he blackout during the day and then go to the fairground at night?
1: There yeah, so like at Shh. different times, both Steve and Eddie are like using substances to like block out difficult emotional oh, things. My goodness. Yeah, it's really intense. Like read read all the texts before you read it, when but it's uh, very good
0: when it's the fictional character I have a parasocial relationship with and not just some random Exactly. random, random woman. Um, but yeah,
1: it that like while you were explaining it I was like, "Well, this reminds me exactly of Steve in that yeah. specific fiction."
0: I the first person <sighs> real sad. the first person that I thought of actually was Nancy because she mm-hmm. doesn't she have like a weird dream at one point is, does she have a dream about the Upside Down and Barb, or does she...
1: Yes. Yeah. That's, like, in the very end, I think, of... I don't remember if it was Season 4, Part 1, or Part 2, but, like, she gets pulled down into, like, the swimming pool where Barb dies. Right.
0: And it revisits it again, as if she needs to revisit yeah. it again. But so she's she... St-
1: yeah. She's still working through this trauma. Yeah.
0: So I-, I can see her wanting to sleep for a year. Um.
1: Yeah. All of the kids, I feel like. Yeah. They go through so much. People are dying around them all oh, the time. Oh, and Max,
0: Max is canonically <laughs> asleep right now. So Yeah, yeah. There's that. Um, <sighs> yeah, I. They we're making a joke about this on Wine and Crime that was like, I would pay for a medically induced coma, like just to get enough rest so I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> just put me out for like, like a month. Like
1: I wanted to be... Yeah, I want it to be scheduled. I don't want it to be a long time. I just need a little bit of time.
0: (laughs) Terrible. Uh, So (laughs) what would or what could our little Spider-Man do here? Because this is his turf. New York City. It's
1: New York Okay. I am hoping that he, I love all the, like the little things that fans like, will be like, imagine if Spider-Man was doing this. So it's like Spider-Man is just hanging out in New York and he notices that she's just going to get these huge coffees every day. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man here. <laughs> I just want to check on you because that's all that you're getting from this bodega And they have really good sandwiches here. Maybe try one of those. So I just feel like he would try to help because that's who he is.
0: Yeah, I do think that. And I think that she would scare him. And he would run away.
1: (laughs) He would be like, Aunt May, I tried to help this girl today. And she was so scary.
0: (laughs) I can just picture Tom Holland's little face. Oh,
1: His little little scrunched. French frog face oh my gosh tom holland but yeah i think that he would try to help but he wouldn't have the resources um or he if it's tom holland spider-man he'd be like tony hey send somebody to check on this girl health and wellness check
0: uh that's actually where reva came from she was designed by tony It's like jarvis <laughs> um yep all right, so now let's take the Sex and the City quiz. So we are going to see which Sex and the City character we are in honor of Riva, who is a big Ethan fan. Okay.
1: All right. So first question. And I will preface this. I will preface this by saying I've never watched this show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any of these characters. i watched... I only know.
0: <laughs> Sorry, go on.
1: I only know about it because I'm chronically online.
0: Yeah, same. Well, yeah, and then eventually I was like, I'll watch a few episodes, but I've watched probably 8% of the show. So, first question, pick one of Carrie's love interests. Uh, I'm not picking Mr. Big, because I know things about him that I don't like, so I'm just going to pick Aiden, because he's the cutest. Um
1: that's what I was gonna All do. Right. He just looks carefree. He looks like an artist. Yeah.
0: What's the city of your okay. dreams? Paris, London, Venice, Dubai, Tokyo, Mumbai, Amsterdam, New York City, Berlin.
1: Well, mine isn't on here. So, what's yours? Hmm, mine would be uh, Cork, Ireland. Ah. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Venice because it reminds me of the Thief Lord.
0: I this is hard yeah I don't have one on here that I'm like yeah yeah okay. I'm gonna say okay. London okay one of Miranda's okay. love interests I think I liked Steve
1: okay. he looks like a sexy doctor um what's
0: your style like
1: definitely not Weight Watchers guy um <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say Dr. Robert Leeds Ooh. okay uh okay what is your style like classic, boho, preppy, romantic, goth, mod, vintage, all, like, everything, whatever. I was hmm. going to
0: say whatever.
1: I wear whatever. I'm gonna say a little bit of boho, I would say. Yeah. Whatever. Um, because cute cute is not on there, and that's pretty much what I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm, Haley, I don't know any of these characters. Which one is Charlotte? Which one's Miranda? Okay. <laughs> one of Charlotte's love interests. I'm going to
0: take Twin Peaks guy. Trey McDougal.
1: Okay. Trey McDougal, Harry Goldenblatt, Stefan the Chef, or Ned. No last name. I'm going to go with Harry. Okay. okay. Which TV show would you marathon on a night in? Mm. The Crown, 13 Reasons Why. Friends, Walking Dead, Four Weddings, Top Chef, Stranger Things, The Simpsons, and Sex and the Shitty. (laughs) Sex and the City. I definitely, I would pick Stranger Things.
0: Uh, Obviously.
1: You heard me talk about fan fiction. All right. I'm
0: going to say Top Chef. Okay. Samantha's Love
1: Interest. Okay. Samantha's Love Interest, Smith Jared, Maria Reyes, Richard Wright, Guy with the Funky Spunk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How old is Smith?
0: Well, (laughs) how old is Smith
1: Jared? He looks significantly younger than all the characters that I've seen.
0: I think that he is. I'm going to say Maria. Samantha. (laughs) I'm also going to say Maria. Uh, What's your sign?
1: Scorpio. I'm keeping it a secret from the listeners. You're just going to have to guess.
0: Likes someone to get coffee with. Enid looks fun. (laughs) Lexi, Lexi looks like a train wreck. Mm. I'm going to pick her.
1: Ooh, I'm clicking. I'm clicking. I'm choosing Stanford Blatch because he is Mozzie on White Collar.
0: Nice. He's.
1: Nice. Oh, I think he has passed away. Really? That's sad. I'm picking him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's also in Freaky Friday. He, he plays like the really he unstable is? patient that the mom has.
1: Oh, I, I haven't seen that movie after I watched it for the first time.
0: Oh yeah, he died. So I don't. He died from.
1: Like recently.
0: um, Pancreatic cancer in 2021. Isn't that also what Alex Trebek Hmm. died from? So say it. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. And finally, why are you so damn awesome? I am going (laughs) to say I'm alive. alive. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say.
1: I'm funny. I'm pretty. I'm rich. I'm powerful. I'm fit. I'm fun. I'm chill. I'm employed. I'm alive. I'm going to say I'm funny. It just showed his confetti on this, uh,
0: very exciting.
1: Thing. It, it didn't show me anything, oh, no. though. Maybe it's just loading.
0: <laughs> it probably <laughs> we'll is, see. because it, it did confetti and reveal
1: it okay. right away. Okay. Okay. I'm Carrie. Right. You actually pro You probably think you're Samantha or Charlotte, but you're actually Carrie. A total Carrie. Try not to overthink your life too much and have some fun. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that's literally what my doctor you? told me at my last doctor's appointment. <laughs> You're young. Literally, don't overthink it. (laughs) Get out there. Um. So mine.
1: Don't overthink it.
0: Samantha, you either live your inner Samantha out loud, or took this quiz to find out that you definitely are a total Samantha. Get out there and show the world what you've got. Okay, so you're calling me a liar. All right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're calling you an unreliable narrator, and that's fine. Okay, Samantha is the blonde one. That's not in the the sequel series, correct?
0: Oh, yeah. The one that, like, didn't get along with the rest of the cast. Yeah.
1: That is that isn't friends with the person who played yeah, Carrie.
0: Yeah. Drama. Interesting.
1: Interesting.
0: But she's, like, the super slut. The one that's, like, ugh, sassy. sassy and funny and whatever. Look at it's you. Fun. Fun, fun. Okay. Well, um, what's, what's the moral to take away Mariah since I can't find one? What's the moral of this book?
1: <laughs> uh, the moral of this is and I know that it's cliche, but if you are this sad, reach out to someone that will help. Don't reach out to people who know you that won't help you. <laughs> Make the conscious decision yeah. to reach out to the right people. And maybe you don't know who those people are, but try. I believe in you.
0: Yeah. And I think the it shows, like, even though it's fictional, we all know that money does not solve all your problems and that if you're super privileged and like beautiful and the world is handed to you on a silver platter you can still be depressed and mental illness like does not discriminate um so
1: and in fact if you have all this time you're probably gonna have a lot more time to spend thinking about these things
0: yeah so maybe the art gallery job wasn't right for her but she could have you know gotten back on the horse and just like started painting because she said like she wanted to be an artist but she wasn't good but like she didn't mm-hmm. really try so yeah. get some passions yeah. get some hobbies taste life
1: yeah like <laughs> taste, taste life it. it's zesty it <laughs> oh my gosh but no yeah it's and another thing to take away is like you, yeah you cannot sleep away intense emotional damage oh. Uh, we are we are not video game characters.
0: Sometimes we get dealt a really rough hand, and we just have to be like, all right, well, shit. I gotta keep living, though.
1: What is it? I'm alive. The last question. Why are you great? I'm alive.
0: The best thing about me is that I'm alive. <laughs> and uh, that's beautiful.
1: Yep, it is.
0: Life is beautiful.
1: It is beautiful.
0: Um, And that's really what this <laughs> book is about. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, would you like to take us out, Mariah?
1: Of course, of course. All right, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, please don't be unconscious. You can find us on Instagram at lit and love Pod, or you can email us your compliments, or I guess any questions, suggestions, or passive aggressions at litandlovepod at gmail.com. Bye. Thank you. Bye.